Hey, good morning. How you guys doing today? Good. Uh, we do have a guest speaker today, and I'll introduce him in a second. I just wanted to uh, connect up a little bit with you all and see if you're enjoying the rain. Yeah, bringing a little life and uh, a life to the body and a life to the grass and, and everything else. Hey, I got some good news this week. I got my MRI back, and it was all clear. And... Uh, it's, I mean, it's good news in a way, but they found a lot of dead space there. Uh, and there's not much they can do about that. But it, we haven't solved the problem yet, so I appreciate your prayers. Uh, you know, we still got to solve the problem. At least there's nothing like some, you know, bad, bad thing happening. So, so it's sometimes life is like that, right? You got to just keep going through the steps and going through the day. I always think about Joshua, who, you know... He, he went to the city of Jericho, and he had to go around the city, right? And you figure, well, that should be enough. Once around is enough, right? But what God say? He said, no, I want you to go around it again and again and again. And you just keep going around and around the city, you get up again. Sometimes it's like that, right? We get up and we, we go to our jobs. We, I got to go around this city one more time, another day today. And, and then finally, on the last day, you know, the seventh day, he went around seven times, and, and then God brought about a victory. But it seemed, I would think it seemed a little kind of, tr you know, drudgery. We've got to go walk around this wall again. But life is like that, so we just keep going step by step. So uh, uh, Anthony, uh, who, for those of you who are, are visitors or new here today, Anthony is uh, my son, and he lives in Israel, and... Uh, uh, with his family, and they've been serving over there at least 10 years or more, and and uh, so, but they're here for a little break. We've been having a great time connecting up with with the grandkids, especially, and uh, after church, you'll notice them. They're the ones that are like running full speed through the sanctuary, and, uh, but uh because at their church, uh, where they meet, uh, it's kind of like more like an outdoor setting. And so after church, they can just run like in, you know, like nobody's business. It's, it's pretty cool. So anyways, uh, watch out. Be careful. And, uh, but Anthony is going to continue on in our study in 2 Timothy. So let's all welcome Anthony and, uh, and, and hear what God has to say through his word today. Amen? Amen. Good morning. Is this mic working? Yes. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I asked my dad, so what did they find in your MRI? And he said, nothing. <laughs> trying to tell you that for a long time. <laughs> you know, my mom's been trying to tell him he's got problems with his ears for quite some time, and he finally believes it. That's a joke. Um... You know, in Israel, in our services there, we are teaching the Bible, and it's simultaneously translated into three other languages. So what happens is, I'll speak in Hebrew, or one of our other pastoral team members will speak in Hebrew, and then someone will hear that Hebrew and translate it into a small microphone like this, and that goes into like a headphone set for you know, all these wireless headphone sets. So they'll go into Spanish. English and German. Sorry, Spanish, English, and Russian. <clears throat> and so what happens is if you tell a joke, you know, 
like the people in Hebrew, they'll, they laugh if they understand your joke. And then like a minute later, everybody else laughs, you know, <laughs> if they get the joke, which, you know, jokes are really hard to translate. And, you know, as for my kids running around, we actually just decided to just move all the chairs. We're going to have freeze tag in here after church. So just be ready for that. <clears throat> so, so we're looking today at Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. And um, I titled this Hold Fast and Press On. Hold fast and press on. And so we're going to look and see just in these two short verses, there's a few verbs that we'll kind of focus in on um, and, and hear what Paul is asking Timothy to do. And I think he's asking us to do the same thing. Hold fast to the truths that we, we know to be true, the things we're convinced of, the things we firmly believe in, and, and press on. And so, <clears throat> um, why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your grace on us, that you use us even in our weakness. And I thank you for your word that is always true and is always powerful. And I pray that you would use your spirit and touch our lives this morning. And uh, Lord, whatever words I say that are from you, that people would remember and whatever... if there's anything I say that is not for me, that it would just be forgotten. And uh, we pray that you would give us courage and give us um, strength for the challenges ahead. In Yeshua's name, amen. amen. So you guys remember that um, in the beginning of this chapter, my dad's got this big print Bible up here. I don't need my small one, I guess. So... Um, in the beginning of this chapter, and we'll, we'll just actually uh, start at the beginning. We're just going to read a few verses. So if you want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses start, starting in verse 1. <clears throat> and he says... But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So he he starts off here talking about how the world is evil, you know, and how there's this, these evil, how people are, are f- focused on themselves, their s- self-love and these other kind of, you know, evil things. But then he does a contrast and he says, but you, and so we go down to verse 10, he says, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. And so he says, you, however, you know something completely different that I taught you. you. You, in our relationship, I've mentored you, I've discipled you. You know something that's different than what you see on TV and in the neighborhood around you. And so then we go down to verse thirteen, 
And he says, while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, again, this theme of, of the evil in the world that's continuing to grow. And he says in verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. So, <clears throat> so in this context of a world that is going from bad to worse. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like the world is getting worse. It feels like that to me. Now, I think there have been times where the world has been worse than now as well, in many ways. You know, I mean, we... You... uh, Think back to you know the times of Nero when he was using Christians as candles in his garden. You know, I mean, like this is we're not at that level, but at the same time, people are more and more creative in, and the access to evil is like everywhere. You know, straight through the phone you have in your pocket, you have access to all kinds of evil, and so, so he says in the context of this world that's getting worse in, and in the context of persecution now I know my dad spoke about persecution last week right and everybody says yes I remember that and then and he says in the context of those persecutions you continue in what you've learned and so we're going to look at three main points here basically the continue Convinced and context. Those are my three C words, if you're a note taker. Does this thing work? There's no light on this. But I didn't click it, though. Oh, here we go. On switch. There we go. There we go. Thank you. So... um, So the first point is continue in what you've learned. And this Greek word there, it means remain, abide, stay. You know, press on, hold hold on and move forward in what you know. And so I was thinking about this and it says, you know, it says continue in what you have learned. Continue in what you have learned. So I was thinking, well, there's a huge difference the main difference here is in what it is that you have learned, you know? And so, so there's this difference between perseverance, continuing, and stubbornness. So I, in my opinion, like the, the cowboy here, he's like persevering while the donkey is being stubborn, pushing back, you know? And so, so like perseverance can lead to a complete waste of time if it's the wrong thing. Or a complete tragedy, even, if it's the wrong thing. And so I remember one time when I was a kid, and someone told me this. They said, if you take a quarter, you know, a quarter quarter of a dollar coin, and you take a spoon, and you just whack on that quarter, it's going to eventually round out. And you can make a ring out of it. Like this. So the thing is that they didn't tell me this. You need a silver quarter 
from before 1964, right? And you can actually make these cool rings if you go on online. You can figure out how to make a quarter, and it says inside, you know, make this ring out of a quarter. But, you know, I sat there, and I had that spoon, and I was whacking on that quarter, but it wasn't doing anything because, the, you know, the quarters after that are a little harder. And, you know, you, you, I, I was a kid. I probably needed to put it against something harder, like some sort of anvil or something. I don't know. But I was, you know, basically persevering in something that was not going to bring any fruit. Has anybody ever done that? So, so there's also things that we've learned that are just not true, you know? Things that we've learned from our family, maybe. Now, my family... Everything's perfect in my family. No. <laughs> I could get my, I could tell some really good stories right now, but, <laughs> you know, who knows what the flowers those are? Forget me nots. You know, and they, so you have these like relationships in your family, and this is the way it's always been in our family. And, you know, so I've been trying to th- figure out some details about my family a little bit, trying to find out what happened, where did we come from a little bit, you know, I, and so I reached out to one of my second cousins who I never ever met before, and I talked to him on the phone, Mark Viviano, who lives in California, and he was talking to me, and he said, you know, this is what he said, our family has a tendency to get into disagreements and then not speak for years. <laughs> Does anybody ever have, you know, know what I'm talking about? I mean, I was talking to someone, a friend of ours, and she said, well, you know, I, uh, I married somebody who wasn't rich and he wanted to go into the ministry and now my dad hasn't talked to me in 23 years. This is a friend of ours. And, you know, you have this kind of like silent treatment that happens. And so in our family, in our, you know, in our, our family, extended family, this kind of stuff has happened where you just kind of go, okay, you know, no, these people aren't talking to these people. That's why I was talking to him, and I was saying, well, don't tell these other people that I'm talking to you, because if they find out that, you know. You know what I mean, though? So what about, you know, this idea, like he was talking about his dad, and his dad was a real Italian. He came over on a boat in 19, 1906, and he only, he wanted to keep it pure, you know. And so his son, Jimmy, my great-uncle Jimmy, he married a white girl. And so he didn't speak to him for, he only spoke to him once before he died after that. You know? And so so these are kind of like the things that are in our family. And I find that even in my relationship with God, I want to do the same thing. I want to give God the silent treatment. You know what I mean? I I want to, well, I'm, you you did something I don't like. I'm not talking to you for a couple months. You know? That's like my natural tendency. And so we can't be that way, you know, that we have to be able to unlearn what we have learned, you know, in a certain way. You know, the Bible says forgive as we forgive others, don't let the sun go down in your anger, for, you know. And it says in Proverbs that a prudent person, a wise person, he foresees danger and takes precautions. He changes the route. But the simple person will just go blindly on and suffer the consequences. So 
When Paul says here, continue in what you've learned, it doesn't mean just blind perseverance. Just keep, just keep going. On, keep doing the same thing. You know, that's not what he's talking about. So he says we must persevere, we must continue, but not blindly. So, so in which, what we, how do we know what we should continue in and what we should not continue in? How can I be convinced? Point number two. Convinced. Firmly, <laughs> firmly believe that this way is the right way. That's actually a real street. I thought it was in Boston, but it's actually in Alaska. <laughs> so, you know, but are we really sure that, that this is the right way? Being convinced here, it, it means I firmly believe. I have a steadfast faith. I am sure that this is solidly established in my mind that this is the right way. And what I'm doing is the right thing. And so, so when difficulty comes, <clears throat> and the way is not like we hoped, unless we have a steadfast, solid conviction, and we're convinced, then, then we will falter. We, we will not be able to stand. So, you know, I know in my mind, <clears throat> you know, we need, I, I need to be convinced. And I wonder myself, sometimes I, I find myself in these certain areas. I, I think, I wonder, am I convinced that following Jesus, following his way, following according to what he teaches will bring the most joy? Right? So, you know, the world will say, you know, if you look at every single commercial, everybody's smiling, everything's fun, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. It can be that they're selling you, you know, a new muffler. And this new muffler is going to make, you know, all your children happy in the car all the time. You know, like that's not true. So, so we start to think, you know, well, maybe if I did this, this would be, bring me the most joy. Maybe if I did this, I would really find the greatest joy. And so we end up, like C.S. Lewis says, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it's meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And so, you know, we, <coughs> we, we want to shortcut the the path to joy. God, God says, okay, I have a path for you. I want you to go this way. And this will bring you the most joy. I have, you know, I have a plan for sex and this is the way that will bring you the most joy. I have a plan for the way to use your money and this is what's going to be the best for you and bring the most joy. But we hear a lot of other messages that say, no, this is actually going to bring you more joy. This is actually going to shortcut that process and, and give you it now without any hard work. And it really can ruin us. Another thing I wonder, I find myself thinking, you know, do, am I convinced that this is the best and only way? Do I really believe this is the best way? You know, because you ever have this conversation in the car where you say, what's the best way to get there from here? And then your wife says, take a right. And you say, I think I'll take a left. 
<laughs> Sorry. It's just, guys are stupid. What can you say? But, but um, you know, um, we like to do that with God, too. God will say, well, the best way is this. And then we really choke on that part where Jesus says, I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because in our world today, we start to choke on that. We say, oh, but, you know, there's good people in the world. Oh, but, you know, they all teach us that we have to accept everyone and everything in every way, and we don't want to offend anyone. And so, you know, let's just be, you know, tolerance. So, so then, so, so we start to choke. Because that's such a hard message. I am the only way. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. Do I really believe that? Do I really know that his way is the only way? <clears throat> or do I think I'll find a better one? Just this time. Then I, you know, question, I find myself wondering, is this empirically true? So, like, rationally, historically, One of the things I'm, I find is challenging in the world today is that we have so many sources of information, right? Everywhere we turn, we have sources of information. We have in our phone, we have in our, on the TV, we have all, everyone's talking about whatever, and sources of information in our email, and, and it's become nearly impossible to know if what they're telling us is true. The news people if you pay attention, you know, these people always tell this kind of news because that's their bias. And these people always tell this kind of news because that's their bias. So who do you, can you trust? I don't think you can trust any of them, really. That's my, you know, I feel a little bit discouraged about this. You know, we have scientific research that's supposed to say that this drug works better than this drug, but you find out it was actually paid for by that drug company's friends. And they, you know, they, you don't know. And then you have, uh, you know, these political leaders don't even want to start talking about that. So how do you know whether what, what you have a, have a reliable source of information or not? Well, Wikipedia, you know, that's like 50% accurate most of the time. I had a friend who actually went on Wikipedia, and she was a teenager at the time, and she put in that her dad invented the paper bag. Because you can just go in there and change it, you know. And it stayed that way for six months. And so I'm sure some kid in some elementary school like, wrote a paper that was wrong because of that. So. But, <clears throat> but the Bible is a reliable historical document. It's reliable. It's a reliable source of information. It gives us everything we need for our daily life. If we will allow it to affect us and change us, and if we interact with it on a level that is not just, okay, I read my Bible today, see you later. I went to church and I heard that guy nice talking, and, you know, see you later. If we actually interact with what it says and let it change us, you know, it will have an effect. And my dad's going to talk about that more next week when uh, he talks about, you know, the scripture and what it is and where it came from. But the, the Bible is a reliable historical document. This, this is empirically true. It's historically true, the historicity. You know, and what are, what, what's the, the kernel of what we're talking about? In 1 Corinthians 15... Verses 3 through 8. Let's just read that together. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 8. 
It says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. So this is Paul writing to the Corinthians. This is, what, this is the, the basic truth. For what I received, I passed on to you. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried, buried, I don't know how to say that. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have, have fallen asleep or died. And then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. This is the basic kernel that Paul is saying, I'm pass, I've passed this on to you. This is, this is the foundation, that I'm a sinner, that Jesus died for my sins and, can, and bought me back from this life of death. And then he was, he, by his death he did that, and then he was raised on the third day to prove that we will have eternal life with him. And it talks here about some of these proofs that he appeared to these different people and it's common knowledge that he rose from the dead. We, these are precisely things that people want to make us, want to argue about today. Well, maybe there was really no such person named Jesus. Well, that's, if, if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, it is extremely unlikely that we would have even heard about him. You know? Some of you guys have probably heard of the Maccabees, you know? Who's heard of the Maccabees? Maybe a couple people. So like, those guys were some of these different, you know, revolt type guys, and there was a guy in there who claimed to be the Messiah, and he died. Does anybody know what his name was? Nobody knows what his name was. Because he didn't rise from the dead. So, you know, that's all I'm going to say about that for now. But it's, it's rational and historical. We can count on it. It's reliable truth. And lastly, in, that, in this point, it says, it's relevant relationally. Following Jesus makes my relationships better. Now, a lot of us have this fear that if I actually try to live the way Jesus said, maybe it'll ruin all my relationships. If I'm actually honest, kind, and, you know, and uh, loving and forgiving, well, maybe, maybe, um, maybe the people around me will think I'm too good and they won't like me. You know, I have to have some kind of that, you know, I have to have a little bit of an edge, you know. But... Basing your interactions with people on the principles of Jesus will bring healthy relationships. And it's hard work. It's actually hard work to have healthy relationships, Jesus' way. It's actually hard work to go into somebody, go up to somebody and say, you know, because it says, if somebody has something against you, go up to him and, and deal with it face to face. Well, I'd rather tell this person about it and then have them tell them and then have them tell them and maybe we'll never talk about it, but we just kind of look at each other and we go, yeah, and then we just don't deal with it anymore. You know, that's kind of like, you know, I'd, but Jesus has some very specific things about how to interact with other people. His relationships were very, you know, his way of relating 
changes everything. There's a guy who said this. Every problem in the world is a problem of relationships. And if you're not relating well, then you're part of the problem. I'll say that again. Every problem in the world is a problem of relationships. And if you're not relating well, then you're part of the problem, you know? And so the only way to change that is, is with the principles Jesus taught, and it's hard work. <clears throat> and so, so talking about relationships, this moves us on to our last point here, the context. And so, so Paul writes to Timothy, continue in what you've learned, but don't just be stubborn and hard-headed. Continue what you've learned and you've become convinced of something that you know is firmly true. Why? Because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So here I see that this context is twofold. He says, continue in what you've become convinced of because, number one, you know from those from whom you've relation, those from whom you learned it, the relationships in which you've learned it. And so, you know, it, we remember if you, in verse 10, we read this just a second ago. It says, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. Paul had this kind of mentor relationship with Timothy. He had this father-son kind of thing happening in a spiritual way. He had this direct investment in his life. And Timothy received all of these things from him. So, it's very important for us to have that in our life. Have a godly mentor. Have somebody who is actually pouring into us, who is intentionally, and whether we ask them or they ask us or whatever, but really, you know, you need to be proactive in seeking that and saying, you know, I'd like, I'd like you to help me right now to grow spiritually. Because we need a mentor. And then, the other part of that is that we need to also be giving out to others. This is the only way that the gospel moves forward. Discipleship, you know, Jesus said to his disciples, go and make disciples, right? Just like I've taught you, teach to other people. And so if you're a disciple of Jesus, if you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and you're not investing in someone else, and you're not kind of trying to help somebody else grow, then you're not getting it. Every single person who follows Jesus needs to be doing that, needs to be investing in someone else. It's not just about, hey, I need to get strength for myself so I can just make it through. No, you need strength so that you can also give to someone else. And, you know, that doesn't mean you go up to somebody and you say, God's told me that I need to teach you the way. You know, that's not what we're talking about. But, you know, like I was, I was talking about two weeks ago or whatever it was, where, you know, we like to meet one-on-one -on -one with people and, and, and really just talk about life, discuss things, what's happening, and, and have a plan of, of, you know, talking about a certain subject. Develop a mentoring relationship. And you go, well, they might ask me a hard question, and I don't know all the answers. And, you, and then I say, well, that's where you need your mentor, you know. 
You need to have these kind of relationships. If you're going to be a healthy follower of Jesus, you need to have those relationships. And so some of you older guys in here, I'm not going to point at who they are, but some of you guys, you need to start taking that a little more seriously. You need to think, well, you know, I've, I don't feel like I have much to offer, but I've been a believer for a lot of years now, and so maybe I could meet with some younger guy and just see how he's doing and pray for him. You know? And he might ask me a few questions, and I might actually be able to help him a little bit. Some of you, some of you women, you know, really, this really is kind of a guy and guy, girl, girl kind of a thing. You know, it has, to, it has to come that way. So, in this relationship, Paul says, you know those from whom you learned it. It's not just that, yeah, you know, I saw this guy on TV, and I learned it from him, because, you know, on TV, they just show you only the good stuff, usually. But when you actually meet with somebody, and you know how they are when they get upset, you know how they are when somebody hurts them. You know how they are. When, and so you learn from them, you know. I remember this one guy who I used to meet with, and he said something to me that always, uh, this is just one example. He said, you know, sometimes I'm coming home, and I'm out, I'm out in the yard, and my daughter runs up to me and says, Dad, do you know what happened? And he tells me this whole story. So then I walk into the house, and my wife says, hey, honey, you know what happened? And he said, in that moment, I have two choices. I can either say, yeah, I just heard all about it, and just completely shut off the conversation. Or I can say, why don't you tell me? So then he might hear the same story twice. But he's actually building that relationship with his wife, you know. And, uh, you know, that kind of that kind of like little pieces of information from somebody, that stuff sticks in your head, you know, how to deal with different things in life. And so these are the kind of things we need to pass on. So, so in a mentoring, discipling relationship, Paul had, the, Paul had this effect on Timothy, but he also had some other relationships. You guys remember in the beginning of 2 Timothy, how long ago was that you studied that? Does anybody remember? 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. It says, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded now also lives in you. And so you have this context of relationships within the family. And so this is where I'm talking about you know, the most powerful discipleship opportunities you have are inside your own family as well. And so, you know, the power of a godly mother, you know, I don't think my children could possibly understand the sacrifice that my wife is making to homeschool them, to teach them the things they need to know, you know, to spend time praying with them at night. And, uh, and I do those things too, but, her, you know, she's really focused on them. She's given up so much for them. Could, she, could they possibly understand that? Not a chance. And, you know, I think about even some of you in here, where some of, you know, some of you were some of my 
mentors as well in here. But, you know, I think about my mother and my father and the influence they had on me. And so, you know, inside of our, inside of our family, inside of your family, you know, you have these responsibilities to interact in a way that interacts with the scripture and changes your life. And that's really hard, I think. Because I think that inside of our families, we kind of make these sort of, uh, we make up these sort of roles, you know? And so it's always been this way and it's always been this way. I do this because that's how I've always done it. And she does this because that's how she's always done it. And we, you know, we don't cross those boundaries because we're afraid what might happen if we change something. Because like the status quo is like there, you know? But, but if we're actually following Jesus, we have to change the status quo sometimes. We have to actually interact with the scripture and let it change our life. So then that means having to say, well, you know, I think that we should maybe, you know, instead of such and such every morning, we should, you know, pray together in this way every morning. Or, you know, and you have to kind of like try to change, you know, I know that, you know, I've always done things this way, but do you guys understand what I'm talking about? This kind of like role, we get into this like stuck place because we don't want to change it because it might rock the boat. At least that's how I feel. But you need, you need to be that, the, the discipling person inside of the family has to be able to change because of the scripture. And that is our last part of this point, the context here. He says the context of the relationships with Paul and with his mother, you know, with Paul and with Timothy's mother and grandmother. And then he says, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. And so like I've been kind of coming back to this all the, all the time, but, but the scripture has the power to change our lives if we interact with it in that way. If we actually say, okay, I'm going to take my life and I'm going to read the scripture and I'm going to say, okay, what do I need to change now to try to make my life match the scripture? Instead of reading the scripture and saying, well, that's different than my life. That's interesting. Maybe God should have written it differently, <laughs> you know. And so we need to value the scripture above the, the opinion of the scripture above our own opinion and the opinions of others, the opinions of the media, opinions of whoever. We need to read it and we need to let it change us. And so kind of summing this all up together here, Paul would ask of us, the same things he asked of Timothy. He says, continue in what you've learned and you've become convinced of. The, the things you believe firmly. Because, why? Because you know, experientially, not just, you know, you, not, not just you know up here, but you have a relationship with the people who you've learned it from. And how from infancy you have known the, the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise. So the question for us is, will we continue in what we've learned? Will we have that perseverance and, perseverance and not just stubbornness? Are we convinced of the reliability of this way? Do we know that this way is really the best way? Do we really know that this way is going to bring the most joy? Do we know that this way, you know, and is, is actually historically, scientifically viable? And will we 
build those relationships where we pass on the truths and values of the Messiah in the context of, of, of these relationships with the Scripture as the, the foundation. And so, you know, these kind of challenges are not, it's not just that I, we say, okay, I'm going to do that. We need, we, we cannot in our own flesh, in our own power, do anything. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China. He said this, God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. You know, and so I find myself always, I always find myself trying to be stronger than I really am when I really need to just remember that I'm weak and I need to lean on God. And so why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given it to us because you loved us. We thank you that we can't understand everything and that you can, that we can rely on you. And Lord, we pray that as we look at this, this passage, we just pray that you would give us the power to recognize our weakness, that we need to lean on you, that you're going to help us continue and to persevere, that we will not give up in the face of difficulty because we're convinced. And Lord, I pray for, uh, for your power in our lives as we face the challenges that we face, that we would, be, we would be able to overcome by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.